Chapter 10 of Master of Life and Death by Robert Silverberg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Cross currents of fear ran through Walton. He said, What are you talking about? Fred folded his arms complacently. I don't think it comes as news to you that I broke into your office this morning while you were out. It was very simple. When I installed the lock, I built in a canceling circuit that would let me walk in whenever I pleased. And this morning I pleased. I was hoping to find something I could use as immediate leverage against you, but I hadn't expected anything as explosive as the portfolio in the left-hand cabinet. Where is it? Fred grinned sharply. The contents of that portfolio are now in very safe keeping, Roy. Don't bluster and don't threaten, because it won't work. I took precautions. And? And you know as well as I what would happen if the immortality serum got distributed to good old man on the street, Fred said. For one thing, there'd be a glorious panic. That would solve your population problem for a while, with millions killed in the rush. But after that... Where would you equalize with every man and woman on earth living forever and producing immortal children? We don't know the long-range effects yet. Don't temporize. You damn well know it'd be the biggest upheaval the world has ever seen. Fred paused. My employers, he said, are in possession of the Lamar formulas now, and with great glee are making themselves immortals? No. They don't trust the stuff and wouldn't use it until it's been tried by two or three billion guinea pigs, human ones. They're not planning on releasing the serum, are they? Walton gasped. Not immediately, Fred said. In exchange for certain concessions on your part, they're prepared to return Lamar's portfolio to you without making use of it. Concessions? Such as what? that you refrain from declaring their private lands open territory for equalization, that you resign your post as interim director, that you go before the General Assembly and recommend me as your successor. You? Who else is best fitted to serve the interests I represent? Walton leaned back, his face showing a mirth he scarcely felt. Very neat, Fred, but full of holes. First thing, what assurance have I that your wealthy friends won't keep a copy of the Lamar formula and use it as a bludgeon in the future against anyone they don't agree with? None, Fred admitted. Naturally. What's more, suppose I refuse to give in and your employers release the serum to all and sundry. Who gets hurt? Not me. I live in a one-room box myself. But they'll be filling the world with billions and billions of people. Their beloved estates will be overrun by the hungry multitudes, whether they like it or not. And no fence will keep out a million hungry people. This is a risk they recognize, Fred said. Walton smiled triumphantly. You mean they're bluffing. They know that they don't dare release that serum, and they think they can get me out of the way and you, their puppet, into office by making menacing noises. All right. I'll call their bluff. You mean you refuse? Yes, Walton said. I have no intention of resigning my interim directorship, and when the assembly convenes, I'm going to ask for the job on a permanent basis. They'll give it to me. And my evidence against you? The prior baby? 
hearsay propaganda i'll laugh it right out of sight try laughing off the serum roy it won't be so easy as all that i'll manage walton said tightly he crossed the room and jabbed down on the communicator stud the screen lit and the wizened face of a tiny servitor appeared sir folks would you show this gentleman out of my chamber please he has no further wish to remain with me right away mr walton before you throw me out fred said let me tell you one more thing go ahead you're acting stupidly though that's nothing new for you roy i'll give you a week's grace to make up your mind then the serum goes into production my mind is made up walton said stiffly the door telescoped and folks stood outside he smiled obsequiously at walton bowed to fred and said to him would you come with me please it was like one of those dreams walton thought in which you were a butler bringing dishes to the table and the tray becomes obstinately stuck to your fingertips and refuses to be separated or in which the cavendishes are dining in state and you come to the table nude or in which you float downward perpetually with never a sign of bottom there never seemed to be a way out force opposed force and he seemed doomed always to be caught in the middle angrily he snapped the kaleidoscope back on and let its ever-changing swirl of colors distract him but in the depth of the deepest violet he could see his brother's mocking face he summoned folks the gnome looked up at him expectantly get me a jet copter walton ordered i'll be waiting on the west stage for it very good sir folks never had any problem walton reflected sourly the little man had found his niche in life he spent his days in the plush comfort of the bronze room seeing to the wants of the members never any choices to make never any of the agonizing decisions that complicated life decisions walton realized that one particular decision had been made for him that of seeking the directorship permanently he had not been planning to do that now he had no choice but to remain in office as long as he could he stepped out onto the landing stage and into the waiting jet copter cullen building he told the robo-pilot abstractly he did not feel very cheerful the annunciator panel in walton's office was bright as a christmas tree the signal bulbs were all alight each representing someone anxious to speak to him he flipped over the circuit breaker indicating he was back in his office and received the first call it was from lee percy percy's thick features were wrinkled into a smile just heard that speech you made outside the building this morning roy it's getting a big blare on the news screens beautiful simply beautiful couldn't have been better if we'd concocted it ourselves glad you like it walton said it really was off the cuff even better then you're positively a genius say i wanted to tell you that we've got the fitzmaum memorial all whipped up and ready to go full channel blast tonight over all media at twenty hundred sharp a solid hour block nifty neat is my speech in the program sure is roy a slick one too 
makes two speeches of yours blasted in a single day send me a transcript of my speech before it goes on the air walton said i want to read and approve that thing if it's supposed to be coming out of my mouth it's a natural roy you don't have to worry i want to read it beforehand walton snapped okay okay don't chew my ear off i'll ship it to you post haste man ease up pop a pill you aren't loose roy i can't afford to be walton said he broke contact and almost instantly the next call blossomed on the screen walton recognized the man as one of the technicians from communications floor 23 well we heard from mcleod again sir message came in half an hour ago we've been trying to reach you ever since i wasn't in give me the message the technician unfolded a slip of paper it says arriving nairobi tonight will be in new york by morning mcleod good send him confirmation and tell him i'll keep the entire morning free to see him yes sir oh anything from venus the technician shook his head emphatically not a peep we can't make contact with dr lang at all walton frowned he wondered what was happening to the terraforming crew up there keep trying will you work a 24-hour-a-day schedule draw extra pay but get in touch with lang damn it y yes sir anything else no get off the line as the contact snapped walton smoothly broke the connection again leaving ten more would-be callers sputtering a row of lights a foot long indicated their presence on the line walton ignored them and turned instead to his news screen the fourteen hundred news was on he fiddled with the controls and saw his own face take form on the screen he was standing outside the cullen building looking right out of the screen at himself and in the background could be seen a huddled form under a coat the dead herschelite walton was on screen saying the man was asking for trouble Popeek represents the minds and hearts of the world herschel and his people seek to overthrow this order i can't condone violence of any kind naturally but Popeek is a sacred responsibility to me its enemies i must regard as blind and misguided people he smiled at the camera but there was something behind the smile something cold and steely that astonished the watching walton my god he thought is that genuine have i grown so hard apparently he had he watched himself turn majestically and stride into the cullen building stronghold of Popeek. there was definitely a commanding air about him the commentator said with those heartfelt words director walton goes to his desk in the cullen building to carry out his weighty task to bring life out of death joy out of sadness this is the job facing Popeek, and this is the sort of man to whom it has been entrusted roy walton we salute you the screen panned to a still of director fitzmaugham meanwhile the commentator went on walton's predecessor the late d f fitzmaugham went to his rest today police are still hoping to uncover the group responsible for his brutal slaying and report a good probability of success tonight all channels will carry a memorial program 
for this great leader of humanity d f fitzmaugham hail and farewell a little sickened walton snapped the set off he had to admire lee percy the propaganda man had done his job well with a minor assist from walton by the way of a spontaneous speech percy had contrived to gain vast quantities of precious airtime for popeek all to the good the annunciator was still blinking violently it seemed about to explode with the weight of pent-up frustrated calls walton nudged a red stud at the top and security chief sellers entered the screen sellers sir we've been looking for this lamar can't find him anywhere what we checked him to his home he got there all right then he disappeared no sign of him anywhere in the city what now sir walton felt his fingers quiver order a tracer set out through all of appalachia no cancel that make it countrywide beam his description everywhere got any snaps yes sir get them on the air tell the country this man is vital to global security find him sellers we'll give it a try better than that you'll find him if he doesn't turn up within eight hours shift the tracer to worldwide he might be anywhere and he has to be found walton blanked the screen and avoided the next caller he called his secretary and said will you instruct anyone now calling me to refer their business downstairs to assistant administrator eglin if they don't want to do that tell them to put it in writing and send it to me i can't accept any more calls just now then he added oh put me through to eglin myself before you let any of those calls reach him eglin's face appeared on the private screen that linked the two offices the small man looked dark-browed and harried this is a hell of a job roy he sighed so is mine walton said look i've got a ton of calls on the wire and i'm transferring them all down to you throw as many as you can down to subordinates it's the only way to keep your sanity thanks thanks loads roy all i need now is some more calls can't be helped who'd you pick for your replacement as director of field agents walton asked lassen i sent his dossier to you two hours ago haven't read it yet is he on the job already sure he's been there since i moved up here eglin said what never mind said walton he hung up and called lassen the new director of field agents lassen was a boyish-looking young man with stiff sandy hair and a stern efficient manner walton said lassen i want you to do a job for me get one of your men to make up a list of the hundred biggest private estates still unequalized i want the names of their owners location of the estates acreage and things like that got it right when will you want it mr walton immediately but i don't want it to be a sloppy job this is top important double lassen nodded walton grinned at him the boy seemed to be in good control of himself and clicked off he realized that he had been engaged in half a dozen high-power conversations without a break over a span of perhaps twenty minutes his heart was pounding his feet felt numb he popped a benzolurethane into his mouth and kept on going 
He would need to act fast now that the wheels were turning. McLeod, arriving the next day to report the results of the faster-than-light expedition, Lamar missing, Fred at large and working for a conspiracy of landowners. Walton foresaw that he would be on a steady diet of tranquilizers for the next few days. He opened the arrival bin and pulled out a handful of paper. One thick bundle was the dossier on Lassen. Walton initialed it and tossed it unread into the files chute. He would have to rely on Eglin's judgment. Lassen seemed competent enough. Underneath that, he found the script of the Fitzmaugh memorial program to be shown that evening. Walton sat back and started to skim through it. It was the usual sort of elegy. He skipped rapidly past Fitzmaugh's life and great works, on to the part where interim director Walton appeared on the screen to speak. This part he read more carefully. He was very much interested in the words that Percy had put in his mouth. The End of Chapter 10 of Master of Life and Death by Robert Silverberg